I'm your host, Josh Buckhalter. Follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit the Facebook page, Clocker Sports, the website, clockersports.com, and the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. You can also find me anywhere at 30spot. That's Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. That's at the number three zeros and pod. Um, you know what we like to do here, man. I like to talk sports, but every once in a while I get tired of hearing my own damn voice, so I have to bring on a guest. And uh, I'm happy as all get out to bring back a guest who's been here before. It's been some time, though, and I'm going to tell you how much time it's been. Last time I spoke with Brad Spielberger, uh, first of all, his Twitter handle was uh, Brad uh, OTC. It's now Brad PFF. Um, he became a lawyer, um, and the man got married. Like some of us, really maximized the quarantine. So I want you to just understand that not everybody was uh, as as boring as me and just talking to themselves these past few months. So uh, with that being said, Brad, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, man. What an introduction! Wow, that's you can't top that right there. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, we did. We we stayed busy. Uh, you know, I, I think I put on the quarantine pounds like everybody else, but I guess I did also get a couple of things done. So that's good. That's what's up, man. Congratulations on all that you've accomplished. Like I said, that's that's a lot of stuff going on with everybody else basically just sitting at home. Um, but I want to get into a lot of stuff that we've seen. Now, last time you were here, we went over a, a bevy of topics, mostly financial related, obviously with your work uh, over the cap at that time, um, and when I was going back through the interview, first the thing, one of the things that came stuck out to me was we both kind of jumped on the Bengals in their cornerback deal. Um, they had two, but you specifically mentioned Trey Wayne and uh, how much they overpaid for him. We see the results of that defense. Um, do you think that there's some buyer's remorse here, or do you think they're just kind of like chalking this one up as a wash because of how awful everything else has gone? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, you know, Wayne's obviously hasn't played this year, so, um, you know, tough to hold that specific signing against them. But I do think it was, it was – even still, you can still say that it probably wasn't a guy they should have been leaning on and, and investing that much money in. Um, it's interesting. Their defense is really interesting because it, it kind of is a good defense that shows you um, why we say defense is a weak link proposition because they have some really good players. I mean, Jesse Bates is our number – PFF's number one safety. Uh, he's been everywhere this year. He's all over the field. He's been dominant. Um, William Jackson the third, who's their other outside corner, has been solid. Um, he was a great rookie and kind of has fizzled, fizzled a little bit in recent years, had some injuries, but he's been good. But but they're just not a good team, you know, like all, all over the defense. Uh, obviously, Carlos Dunlap wanted to get out of there as badly as possible and, and forced the trade. He was selling his house on Twitter. So they just show that you kind of – if you have some good pieces but some really big weak links still, uh, they have some young linebackers. They have a very young and inexperienced, you know, edge rushers at this point. Um, it's tough. Now, we also talked about uh, Jamie Collins in Detroit, and we mentioned how that was probably going to be a bad idea for a few reasons, not the least of which was just the, the Patriots going elsewhere tends to not work out. Now, we've seen how that ultimately ended up uh, in Detroit. Matt Patricia's gone. Bob Quinn is out. Do you think that they try to move on from some of those guys, or is Jamie Collins stuck there? Because like, I'm really asking for a question that I'll get to back down the road, but what do you think this stands with how uh, Detroit attached attacked free agency? It's actually, it's actually a good question because they really did. They, they bought into bringing in old Patriots more than, I, I mean, even 
Bob Quinn, the GM, and Matt Patricia, the coach, who are no longer there, obviously, uh, are former Patriots for about 15 years. So th- that is what happens generally with a new GM and a new regime. Um, and it does sound like Detroit is really going to uh, kind of overhaul the entire organization. But what happens often is that they're not attached to any of the players. Um, and in a situation like Detroit, I would say it's a good thing. You know, they're not in a great cap situation. Um, they have Kenny Galladay is going to be a free agent who, who's going to command, you know, probably $20 million a year, you know, plus he hasn't played much this year, but he, he when he does, he's, he's clearly, a, you know, an elite wide receiver. Um, you know, Stafford getting near the end of his deal. So you start to look, you know, give him more money or you move on. So uh, I think a new GM could come in there and, and really could clean house if they wanted to. No. And you know what? That's kind of what you want at any given moment is that your, your next guy can, uh, I don't want to say, make up for the mistakes, but kind of just, you know, make up for the mistakes of the previous regime. That's something that we here in Chicago are probably going to be dealing with um, the opposite side. So that's not necessarily a great thing. Um, one of the other things that you said, though, you said you liked the Cleveland Browns uh, offseason and how they attack things. And to be honest with you, while they're sitting here at nine and three, I have a, I have a hard time finding any fault with what you said. What have you been most impressed about with what the Browns have gotten done? Yeah, you know, not not like two mile horn at all because I think the one area, you know, I I loved what they did on the offensive line, but it's even exceeded my expectations. It really has. Um, the linchpin there has been Wyatt Teller, who they traded actually from the Bills for a fifth round pick. I want to say um, two years ago, or no, excuse me, last year in 2019. Um, and he's been, I mean, he's he's one of the best guards, if not the best guard in, in football. Um, and so when you're in a running, you know, run game like Cleveland's, you know, Stefanski, you know, zone running scheme, a lot of play action, stuff like that. When you get a, a road grader, you know, just a mauler like like Teller is, um, you know, it, it allows Jack Conklin, who was their big right tackle signing this offseason. Um, he, he's he's good in the run game, but I think they kind of want more, you know, pass protection from him. Um, and he's able to kind of lean on that when he has the best run blocking, you know, guard in football playing next to him. So it just made the whole offensive line is so cohesive. Jedrick Wills, their rookie, um, 11th overall pick out of uh, Alabama, has been fantastic. Um, it's crazy for him, too. He's playing right tackle last year. They move him over to left tackle. So not only does he go from, you know, switches sides of the line, first year in the NFL, shortened offseason, new head coach in Kevin Stefanski, and he still at left tackle has been really good. So he's, I mean, you know, he obviously could be could be special. So yeah, they, they've been they've been good. And they've got the best offensive line names in the NFL. Uh, Teller, you got Wills, you got Conklin. That's 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 offensive lineman names right there. Okay, that's totally agree. Like. <laughs> now, um, I said that I like last time we spoke. I said that I like the Brady and the Rivers deals uh, to bring those Hall of Famers down to their respective teams. Who do you think is winning those uh, though that? I guess battle right now. Do you think it's Indianapolis with how Rivers is playing, or do you think it's Brady because of the ceiling? I think the ceiling on the Buccaneers is higher. I agree with you. I still think it's Brady. Obviously, you know, I think the Colts have a, have a one game lead now if you look at their records. But I, I think Brady's been a better player this year. Uh, it, it really is incredible. I mean, he is falling off a little bit. Like he is showing some signs, but he really still isn't when you when you compare him to the other. And he's forty three, whereas Rivers, I think, I want to say, is thirty nine, which is still old, of course. But um, <laughs> but that's a big gap. I mean, four years is, is not a small you know gap of years. But yeah, so Rivers to me, when you watch when you watch you throw the film on, it, it, the decline is more noticeable. Um, you know, I think he's just like they're both statues in the pocket, but Rivers even more so. Just like he can't if pressure comes, like the play is just over. <laughs> um, and I think you just see him just miss some things as well. Um, whereas Brady, yeah, Brady has been perfect by any stretch. They're obviously in a huge slump right now. 
Um, but I think we'll see them coming out of the bye. I think they're going to look really good this weekend. I think they're going to right the ship, get everything back on track. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I think Frank Reich is a much better coach than Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay. I do. I agree with you on that 100%. I think he might be a better coach than Doug Peterson in Philly as well. Um, one of the things that I did notice, now you were just talking about how uh, Rivers is younger, but he hasn't looked great this year. I think what we're seeing is that because Indianapolis is kind of still built on a budget, like they're getting kind of high price, but they're still kind of bargain basement on the skill positions. You're kind of seeing that Rivers doesn't have the ability to overcome that, right? Whereas Brady kind of just needs everything to work together. It's not that he can't get it done, but he needs things to be clicking and humming, and we clearly see that's not happening right now in Tampa. So, I mean, I agree with you. I think that um, Colts are doing better right now, you know, record-wise, but ultimately I think Brady will be the one who comes out on top. Now, both of us were smartly bashing Houston um, for their their trade of DeAndre (laughs) Hopkins for David Johnson. We see how that turned out for Bill O'Brien. What's up with Houston, and what are they going to do? Because they're they're up against the cap, too, and they made so many bad trades right before they fired O'Brien. It's a crazy situation, man, because I think, yes, so they not only have, you know, little cap space, um, no first or second round pick this year, um, but the, but the thing is, Deshaun Watson is incredible. I, I mean, he looks so good that if you're, you know, everyone has been asking me lately kind of like, how would you rank the GM openings? You know, how do you view them? And, you know, I, just because of who I am and what I do, you know, when I see a team that has, you know, two first round picks and one of them is going to be Trevor Lawrence, like, I'm obviously going to think of that, but, the crazy thing is, is that we see year after year, time after time with GMs that if you don't have the quarterback, like nothing else really matters um, at the end of the day. I mean, obviously. A, you'd have to take a shot at Ryan Pace like that. <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing. I mean, he's, and everyone keeps comparing him kind of like to Dave Caldwell, who just got fired in Jacksonville, because Dave Caldwell also actually drafted really well. He drafted a lot of good defensive players. You know, he drafted a lot of players in late rounds, but. Ultimately, Bortles, it didn't matter. Um, they couldn't find a quarterback. And so, you know, yeah, they had the, they had the one run, but it didn't really matter. And so if you're a GM, you, you definitely look at Houston and say, well, I'm not really going to be able to do anything in the, in the immediate future, but I have the most difficult, impossible thing, you know, is set. I have the quarterback. He's a clear franchise quarterback. He's, what, 26 years old. He's already signed, so I don't have to deal with that. Like, it makes it so attractive. So, that one, I think, is going to go to a vet. I think we're going to see an established, like, I don't want to call it a retread because, you know, it shouldn't be a guy that doesn't deserve. But I think we're going to see someone who has NFL experience and, and who they trust to kind of just, like, make sure to don't screw it up as opposed to, like, make it great. Just don't mess it up. Now, you mentioned Jacksonville, and that's funny. You mentioned that's, that's my next point. We talked about how they and the Rams uh, were going to be teams, well, you mentioned, there were going to be teams that were trying to get ahead of the financial crunch that was coming. Um, we saw both of them make some deals to shed some salary. Rams brought in some other guys. Clearly, they're going in opposite directions despite having facing some similar challenges. Is there any way the Jazz can turn this around to become more like the Rams? Not They're not going to be the Rams, obviously. But can they become more like the Rams, or are they kind of stuck in this cycle for a couple more years? Well, yeah, just because earlier I was patting myself on the back, I'll, I'll take a big L on the Rams. No, I mean, really, I really did, did not see this from the Rams, I have to be honest. I, I said that far and wide. I mean, I didn't think they were going to be bad. Like, I didn't think they were going to, like, you know, go 5-11 and 11 or anything. But right. I thought they were, like, a 500 football team. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, the Jag- the thing with the Jaguars is I, I think that they're pretty close, um, which probably sounds crazy. But with the amount of assets they have, like, they could if they had two good off-seasons, basically, and, and if Justin Fields is good – I mean, they could be they could be contending in 2022. Like it's 
it's funny that we talk about sometimes, like you and I have discussed, you know, these, these rebuilds and, and getting ahead of the game and stuff like that. The thing about it is if you do it smartly, you can turn a team around in like two off seasons. Like you really can't. Um, so yes, it sounds insane for me to say that the, that the Jaguars could be the Rams soon, but, but they could if they get, I mean, the thing, the, the variable there is Sean McVay is a special coach. So that, that's the one thing that you gotta, you know, good, good luck with that. But, but from a personnel standpoint, they could, they could be there soon. You you nailed it because if they had Deshaun Watson down there, they're a contender and they're they're a dangerous team with the skill position that they have out there. Uh, I like Chenault, I like Chark, I like James Robinson came out of nowhere to be a stud this year. The defense can be better when they get some more some more uh, seasoning. So I agree with you there. I want to talk about another team we talked about financial trouble. Um, well, two more, but I want to focus on one. We also mentioned uh, Philly and New Orleans. Philly in particular, though, with Carson Wentz being benched and Jalen Hurts being named the starter. What are they going to do there? Because they're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, in, in terms of trying to move him. Winstead is. This is one of the, like, biggest nightmare scenarios we'll probably ever see, like, covering this sport. Because what the Eagles basically did is, so Carson Wentz technically, was, so as a 2016 draft pick, technically this year was his fifth-year option season. So, again, not as cheap as a rookie deal, of course, but but still cheap. So this was supposed to be them, like this was them basically attacking the last quote-unquote window to where they had a quarterback, an elite quarterback in their minds that was on a, you know, that had a cap hit in the in that particular season of, you know, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's not, you know, it's, it's about to jump to 40 next year or whatever it is, and right now it's, it's probably 20, 25. So, so for this to go this poorly – um, I mean, it's a nightmare. Like, they, like the answer to the question of what they do is, I, I have no idea. Like, that, um, I mean, Hurts. I do think that we all lauded the pick, and they probably we didn't expect it to come, like, to see it happen this quickly. But, it, but maybe they get bailed out by, by Hurts being good enough um, to, to kind of galvanize the team. Maybe they still somehow make an NFC East run. And then you have some, you know, momentum going into 2021. But I'll be honest, it's it's a situation that you probably won't see very often, where things just go as bad as possible. Yeah, I've seen that their asking price for wins too is like a late first and an early or early second. I'm not seeing them getting a late first just because teams will know what kind of situation that they're in and what kind of deal they have to take on. So unless Bill O'Brien gets hired somewhere and and he decides to trade <laughs> a stud for him, I don't see them being able to move that deal without trying to restructure it in some way. That's that's a a, a case study in you know not being too aggressive on a small sample size for fear of alienating somebody. Because wasn't this partially at least done uh, in response to the the overwhelming support for Nick Foles? So they wanted to kind of make Wentz feel at ease. I mean, it may have been. You know, there, there was obviously. Some anxiety there and some some stress with that situation, and uh, maybe we're seeing it again with them taking Hurts in the second round. Which, I mean, personally, I maybe I'm I'm hard on people, but I say I mean that just proves to me he's not the guy. If, if you're if if the team taking a backup for you is gonna like give you, then then you probably aren't don't have the mental fortitude potentially. I don't want to speak that point. I mean, you know, it could be very no, no, wrong. It could be hurts. You're right. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's, it's too it's too prong though because if the, if them drafting a backup ruins you mentally, then you were never that strong. But also, if they feel the need to draft a backup at that position, you know, at that high in the draft, you might need to take heed of some of the red flags. So, I mean, you're not wrong by saying that clearly that just feels that the sentiment there might not be that he's the guy. That's what keeps turning over my head is that, so I do genuinely believe that I, that I think that because of, you know, the cap situation we're just talking about, I genuinely think part of the draft pick was – will get a above-average backup quarterback on a cheap deal. But secondly, 
I do think it's fair to wonder if if that's not what the motivation was. And the motivation was, you know, this Carson guy, he missed like 12 games last year, and then he hurt his back and his neck again, uh, you know, in 20, 2019 or 28. Like, maybe they really did think – they didn't foresee this coming, you know, this this bad of a season. But maybe they did think he was on the decline, and and, and Hurts was, was not as random of a pick as we may think. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, no, listen, a guy like Hurts with his skill set is definitely a pick. The 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 attention that it received, right, because he came in with a name of his own. So that was not a move that was to be taken lightly. I don't think that it should have broken Wentz like this if that is what in, uh, indeed what's happening here. But it definitely wasn't nothing. So um, I don't think there's really an overreaction here, but it definitely is a case of uh, Philly kind of screwing the pooch here because they're stuck, like I said, no matter what they do, and that's that's tough. Um, no, 100%. Go ahead. No, 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 you're good. Um, one of the other things I want to talk about before we talk about you know some more local stuff, uh, Christian McCaffrey's deal. We talked about this and how how you know they they the, the Panthers kind of went against the uh, the common knowledge here, common thought processes, and and paid him that hefty deal. And I told you, 300 plus touch guys get hurt. What happened? CMC is broken down. Now you combine that with the Teddy Bridgewater deal that you did not like and where do you see Carolina in the ranking in the hierarchy of the NFC South Yeah so their offseason is interesting um yeah I didn't like that I felt as though they were spending money when it was just unnecessary because I think what I said in your podcast is probably like there's three Hall of Fame quarterbacks that are like about to retire in your division so why not just maybe wait a year I will say again I, I'll take a small L on some of that cuz like Robbie, the Robbie Anderson deal looks fantastic, um, and, and I think it was smart to you, – you, you don't have to do nothing just because you can't compete. So, But, again, I mean, the running back deals, this is what happens. I mean, we see this every single time. This is just like it, – it's the nature of the position that it's unfortunate, but it's the nature of the position. Um, now it looks like he, he was about to come back to practice and got re-injured again, or maybe be a different injury. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Mixon's missed almost the entire season. He signed just before the season started. Um, again, and obviously guys get hurt in other positions, but, but yeah, I mean, that, that's what you expect there. As for the Teddy deal, um, I, at this point, I think it was probably smart to just establish your team, your offense, your identity to get reps for Curtis Samuel, find out who Curtis Samuel is. Um, like he might get extended now, whereas before the season, I would have told you there's no chance. Yeah. He might get traded. Um, so having a good enough quarterback was smart. To just kind of let your offensive line grow, let your receivers grow, let all that grow. But I, I'll tell you right now, if they don't take a quarterback in this draft, I'd be pretty surprised. No, I'd be shocked too. You gotta, you gotta at least plan for the future somewhat. Um, I like Teddy as a player, but I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Um, let's switch our gears real quick before we wrap up and, and talk about the NFC North because we kind of hit on everybody. We didn't really talk about the Packers, but we kind of we didn't say the Packers were going to be this good, but we knew they'd be good. Um, Minnesota, and I know they hold a special place in your heart. Um, <laughs> Did you expect them? You said they'd maintain. Now, they didn't start off great, but did you foresee at any point in time they'd be able to make the kind of comeback that they've made in the past month or so? So, yeah, the 1-5 start was crazy. Um, and not to – again, I think it was – I wouldn't say it's crazy. I think it should be expected because I think they just had so much turnover and, and you had to think there were growing pains. But if you go back and look at it, I mean, they lost to Tennessee on like a 50-yard field goal at, at the buzzer. Uh, so they could have beaten the Titans in like week three. And then they went down to Seattle or, you know, out west of Seattle and lost that game on like the last snap of the game too. So it's actually but, but yeah, so I, I almost didn't see this comeback coming more so because I thought they maybe would lose motivation and kind of just because of the pandemic and all that. Like you started out one in five and you had high hopes. 
Um, I thought maybe just, you know, from a mental perspective, emotional perspective, they'd lose it. But that's not what Mike Zimmer's about. Uh, and he's got him playing pretty good football now. So it's, I mean, I mean, you look at Cam Dantzler and Justin Jefferson, their emergence the last six weeks or, or whatever, maybe eight weeks. It's, 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 it's incredible. Um, and this is what we discussed. Like, I didn't think they were going to contend this year. I don't think, you know, I, I think they now could sneak in the playoffs, but I'm, I'm not going to tell you, like, they're a hot name that, you know, no one wants to play the Vikings. Like, I'm not going to say that. But, <laughs> but, the tw- but the 2021 Vikings, like, could be a very, very good football team. Yeah, no, and you know what? I was surprised. Um, Jefferson's a stud. I, I was one of the people who was kind of down on the Vikings, A, because Mike Zimmer has this weird habit, and if you go back and look, he's had up and down years. It's alternated his uh, tenure in, in Minnesota. This was scheduled to be a down year. He could still finish 8-8 uh, eight and eight or whatever, and it'd, it'd be that way, but I did not see them having the fortitude to come back like this, mostly because I didn't believe in Kirk Cousins, who they extended before the season, um, to, to be able to, to keep things together, right, to be able to rally the troops yeah. back. He's done that. Now, he hasn't played great. He's had some bad games, too, but the the fact that like you said they haven't fallen apart despite having all that turnover is commendation for me. Um, the next team I want to talk about I'm just going to briefly discuss because it it's, it's a, a segue to the to the grand scheme of this entire thing. I dogged the Lions last time we spoke and I have to put out a me a couple. You've been taking your L's. I got to take my L on this one because I literally <laughs> on the pod said that um, you expect to lose to the Packers or the Packers to be good. You expect the Vikings to compete and nobody worries about the Lions. Well, damn it, that bit me in the butt because the Bears <laughs> decided to blow a 10-point lead um, to the Lions. So my question is really about the Bears. Does this mean, like, is it official now the Bears are our little brother in the NFC North? Oh, oh, that's tough. No, I, I think it- uh, I think honestly it's crazy, but look at all the teams after a coach gets fired, like how they've all performed this year. Um, and I'm not sure I've ever seen in my entire life, I really don't think I've seen this before, where, I mean, did you see a single former player of Matt Patricia's tweet, like anything like, nothing yeah, nice. I learned a lot? Like, not once. Because, <laughs> no, not, yeah, nothing nice. What? Like, you saw Darius Slay and, like, all the former guys. But I'm saying, like, even you'll see a coach get fired that like everyone hates or, or, or we, we hear that everyone hates and you'll still see some guys tweet like, you know, I know it didn't end well, but I appreciate, you know, he believed in me. He, he helped me develop. Like you don't see any. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. And like, you don't see any of that. Like, so, so I, I still think that the Lions just organizationally, I, I, and I mentioned before, they, they apparently, it sounds like their new, new owner, it's, it's same family, but a, a new person's in charge. Um, sounds like they're taking it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like they're a little more seriously than they want. But until that happens, they're the little brother. But but if they really overhauled, the, you know, the whole organization, um, you know, we talk about the Bears. And we'll get to the Bears, but we were concerned that Ryan Pace has too much on his plate. And based on what I've read and some of the conversations I've had, their GM was was in charge of everything, like just too much. And and so if they're going to go ahead and actually overhaul the whole then then we'll discuss it but for now we can be safe and say that they're still the lions are still a little brother uh at this moment <laughs> okay good thank you because i was feeling really bad <laughs> um, now you just recently speaking of gms you just uh released an article for pff pro football focus about the qualities of a good nfl general manager and candidates to monitor for the 2020 offseason brad this article came out right on time i am citing it multiple times in my article uh, on the bears for this week about how let's get a little bit meatheadish now you've listed some, some great candidates in here i'm not gonna knock the list at all there are some chiefs there's a chiefs uh, uh organization member and 
a Saints organization member, and simply because of, of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, those guys are out for me. I know those guys might be great <laughs> on their own, but I can't go back to that well right now. I do like your suggestions, uh, specifically from the Ravens, Joe Hortiz, and Ed Dodds from the Indianapolis Colts, especially Dodds, because he has the assistant general manager role. Did you have, if you were picking for the Bears, hiring for the Bears, did you have a particular uh, candidate here that would fit best? It's a great question, and I appreciate the shout-out. Definitely, yeah, it's a great resource. We're going to keep adding to it. There's, there's more names coming. I've been doing some kind of research on their actual success and all that, so keep an eye out for that. But, uh, I mean, Ed Dodds, I think, is – just his track record is just phenomenal. Uh, I mean, started with was with the Seahawks from 2007 to 2016, I want to say, um, and just kept moving up the ladder, you know, higher and higher. Uh, gets a lot of credit for basically helping build the Legion of Boom and, and all of that. Um, and and they were the best, you know, just different research, but they, the Seahawks were the best drafting team um, of the last 15 years, and he was there for a decade. So then you jump over to Indianapolis, uh, 2017. And they've been a, I mean, they've been great in the draft since. They've been a smart strategy-wise. They trade back a lot, um, but they still do trade up. They, they just they, they're allowed to trade up, or they're maybe, they're enabled to trade up because they trade back so much. Um, and they're smart. I mean, they make good picks. And then finally, I mean, just from an organizational standpoint, like we're talking about Zimmer keeping the Vikings on track. I mean, they have Andrew Luck retire out of nowhere, and him and Ballard just. I mean, I'm sure they had a phone call where they said, what the F do we do? But, 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 but very quickly after that, they got everything on track. There was no sense of panic. There was no sense of like, oh, we're, we're screwed. They just, they just, they just moved forward and, and they're a playoff contender this year. Um, still a really young team, still, you know, growing every year. So yeah, I mean, he, to me, I think Ed Dodds is, is probably like candidate one, you know, one, one A, one B. Okay. Okay. That's good. See, I'm, I'm glad that I picked up on something that you also feel the same way about. So that's cool. Um, there's another candidate here that you that you mentioned that I feel is like my meathead perfect pick. If I was being a meathead fan to the core, I would probably hire him, Lewis Riddick. And I'm not. I mean, I would pick him if I was just you know thinking rationally too. But I know that as a fan, I would love to have Lewis Riddick because I've seen him a lot. I've heard him speak on football matters and break down things in real time. So as a fan, that's comforting because you know a lot of it is unknown. We don't know what to expect. With him, you get that. Would you, if the Bears were to hire Riddick, would you have any uh, concern that he wouldn't do what's necessary in, in terms of like moving on from Matt Nagy or something like that because they have a relationship? So I'll tell you, that's this is a fun one because I, I guess kind of stubbornly, I thought that everyone was in love with Riddick just because he was like, you know, a great analyst and, and is good on ESPN and 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 you know, like you said, breaks down film in, in a great way, like all these things. And so when I first started doing it, I was like, is he actually? And I. In the article, I, I spoke to a handful of people. One of the people I spoke with said like, that Riddick was the smartest person they'd ever worked with. Um, and this person worked for, I want to say, five, four or five teams um, over like a decade. So that really, really got me excited. Um, he And now he's tra- looking at his track record in Philly, Philly, it was good. I mean, he was director of pro personnel. He worked his way out pretty quickly. Um, no, I would, have, I would have no reservations. And, I, and I, coming into it, I thought he would. Uh, I thought I would, excuse me, um, because I hear you in the loyalty stuff and all that, but I think that's just him being a, a good friend and a good person on TV. Like, I don't think Mike Mayock, once he got out to the Raiders, was still, like, being nice to people, you know, just because he, you know, had a good rapport and stuff like that. So it's, the Nagy element is interesting because, you know, he has two years left in his deal and Pace only has one. So 
while I think both are gone, I think there is a scenario where maybe they fire Pace and let the new GM make the decision of whether they want to keep Nagy um, or, or not. So maybe that does come into play a bit, and, and you know, we'll see. But but uh, Riddick, you know, whatever. Riddick on his own, uh, I would be very excited about um, as as GM for the Bears based on everything I heard from, from you know, a lot of people. Real quick, how does uh, the assistant director of player personnel for the Chicago Bears make this list? Champ Kelly is impressive. Champ Kelly's uh, – what he did in Denver was, was really, really impressive. And then he also just has a great – Background of, of, I mean, he was a coach. He was in like a, a league I've never even heard of. I think it made it in the article. Right. Like he, UIF, he, he right? wanted to, <laughs> I had yeah, to look yeah. It up. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, no, he's been a hot name for a while. Uh, he got some interviews last year. I would say one thing. I know, I know you were probably half kidding, but I would say one thing that I heard over and over and over again was, do not think that you know kind of who's responsible for what mm-hmm. thing in each building. And you'll see candidates come out sometimes. You might scratch your head like, how is this guy a top candidate? Um, you know, not to throw like a guy on the bus, but another another name on the list was John Spitek, uh mm-hmm. from the Buccaneers, who, if you look at some of his draft history of the teams he was on, like he was there with the Browns when they were when they were like terrible at drafting, but but that was not him. He was not high enough Scouting in the organization right. where he right. So so or, or as far as I know, as far as we know, it wasn't him. So anyways, long story short, uh, I mean, if you look at Champ Kelly, I, I would tell you if if you wanted to try to parse out what his job is, I mean, he's he, his Background is pro scouting and pro personnel first. If you look at an offseason like this offseason, throw away Jimmy Graham, throw away Robert Quinn because that's the GM's decision. The, the, the guys that Champ found are Marquevious Mingo, are, are Tashawn Gibson, are all these like cheap guys that are playing really well. Like that's, that's, so I, I, at least I assume. All, all the bargains that Ryan Pace has been getting credit for, basically. <laughs> Sometimes. No, and, and, and some can be Pace, but, but like, so that's the thing is you don't know. So for all you know, Champ Kelly is the best veteran minimum signing guy in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, so anyways, I just, I heard his name from a lot of people, um, consistently that he was great. Um, and the last piece to that as well is I've also been told, we think, I think we have the perception that the GM should be the top scout. Um, and, and I'll tell you, Ryan Pace is the top scout. And I think he is a good scout. I think he's a great talent evaluator, but, but he there's an example of guys though. Yeah. And exactly. So there's an example of where you made the top scout, the GM. Um, and it didn't work. So Champ might also just be a guy who's a great leader, um, you know, and, and, and people would just trust to run an organization. Thank you very much. So last one before I get you out of here, I think that if they do, the Bears do part from Matt Nagy, the perfect replacement for him would be Jim Harbaugh. Tell me why I'm crazy. Interesting. So I came out today. I mean, I'll tell you you're crazy just because, just because it's like it's so crazy because it's so Bears, like former Bear, like, mm-hmm. you know, ground <laughs> and pound. like he's head. Yeah, yeah, you said, yeah, you said the meathead. You really got the meathead like trail going. But yeah, so, but it's funny though. I don't hate it as much as other people do simply because he would, he didn't call plays on, on offense or defense in San Francisco. His brother John does not do that in Baltimore. Bill Belichick hasn't called a play in a game in a long time. I think Harbaugh would be kind of your field general, your head coach that is just a, just a leader of men. Um, and, and so if he builds a staff around him, of a bunch of hot name coordinators, why would you not get excited about that? You know what I mean? And there you go. I think he's perfect because he he understands the city, the 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 tradition, the the misery we've gone through. He can work with quarterbacks. <laughs> we've seen that. Um, and people, you know, the reason why it ended in San Fran was because he couldn't get along with Trent Baalke. We see how that ended up. But 
if you get a guy like I said, like Lewis Riddick, who we know can schmooze because of his his TV background, I think that could work well. So I mean, I, I was expecting you to call me a lot crazier. I'm glad to know that I'm not certified <laughs> insane. Um, Brad Spielberger, thank you so much for joining me again here on Triple uh, Zeros. Please follow him on Twitter at Brad PFF. And what else do you have coming out that we should be looking out for? Dude, thank you so much for having me on again. This is fun. Definitely like recap and, and go back through what we, what we talked about the last time. Always a good time coming on. We always have good conversations. Uh, a lot of stuff coming out that's going to be about the 2021 draft. And, you know, the, you mentioned it right on time. The GM article was not by accident. It's obviously starting to be that time of year where, where openings are happening and where interviews are going to start to roll in. So I would say, yeah, like I'm, I'm already focused on free agency, um, you know, the big name signings, the draft, and, and kind of – you know, what next year is going to look like. But, of course, always a little bit of coverage of uh, this year as well. He is Brad Spielberger. You can find him on Pro Football Focus on Twitter at BradPFF. Brad, thank you for joining me. This is going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at JockeyBuck. Facebook page is Clock of Sports. Website, ClockOfSports.com. Email address, ClockOfSports at gmail.com. Of course, you can find the podcast everywhere that you can get the podcast and on social media anywhere uh, at 3 Zeros Pop. That's going to do it. You are going to do it.